This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to the Jolly Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Barrett. This podcast is for those who are interested in the conversation around diversity, inclusion, and equity. Each week, I'll be interviewing a guest who has something special to share or is actively part of building solutions in this space. Let's get started. Cheryl Brinkley is the founder and CEO of ITM Coaching Next Level. It's an international coaching federation certified executive coach and is a certified leadership development professional specializing in mid-level career progression and acceleration. She is passionate about working with emerging and mid-level female leaders aspiring to continue up the platinum staircase and into senior leader and executive level seats. Cheryl's decades of experience in Fortune 100 public, private tech and utility sectors have given her a wide and varied lens on leadership environments. She leverages her own acumen in talent pipeline program strategy and delivery in her approach with working with clients and within organizations. Cheryl is a proud Bay Area native and holds an MBA from Holy Names University, a certification from UC Berkeley's Haas School of Business, Women's Executive Leadership Program, and holds a specialty certification in Emotional Intelligence EQI 2.0. Her core values are faith, family, and fulfillment, and notes that her personal mission statement is to live the fullest expression of herself and to help others do the same. She is an avid learner and believes in the continuous pursuit of self-actualization in all forms. She enjoys travel, photography, reading, roller skating, listening to podcasts and audiobooks, is a lover of fashion, beauty, and of the arts. All right, so I am, every week I'm excited. I'm again excited, and I use that word all the time. I'm so excited all the time. But um, this week, we are so pleased to have Cheryl Brinkley with us. It is truly an honor and a privilege. I have had the pleasure of knowing Cheryl for, I'll say, decades. Yes. Um, <laughs> so it is, it is so, I'm just so happy that you um, have come on to have a conversation because you're doing wonderful things in the world. And I always want to showcase people that are doing those things. Melissa, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. 
It is my pleasure. So let me uh, let me just start by asking you to. Um, most people have probably heard your bio by now, um, you know, as I've introduced you. But why don't you just tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are right now in in your own career? Okay, in my career, well, or in your personal life. I mean, you, it's it's it's. <laughs> It's not one thing or another, right? We are our yeah, whole self. I, mean, I think everything brings us to where we are. I, I'm going to say I am a product of uh, being born and raised in Oakland. Um, my family had origins there first. And uh, my dad was in the Navy when I was born and uh, born in Oakland Naval Hospital, educated in elementary school years in Oakland. And then my family migrated to Union City when I was in the seventh grade and I finished my education there and graduated high school in Union City, went on to Cal State East Bay, had a trip through Chabot College initially. <laughs> I got my associates there and, and completed the process there and then transferred on to Cal State East Bay and um, you know continued my education. And I still am an avid learner. I, I, don't, I don't feel like the journey's ever over. But as far as my career paths, I mean, I've worked in different, uh, in college, work retail. Macy's was my first job, and I worked my way through college. I paid for my education. At that time, you can do that on a part-time salary. I'm very proud of that. Yeah. And uh, you know, I got myself uh, through uh, undergrad, uh, working that part-time job, and so my path took me through uh, working for the state of California. I worked for the federal government. I've worked in uh, operations uh, at Pepsi Cola. I've worked at uh, J.P. Morgan Chase and IT and uh, brief stint at Cisco and then on to PG&E. And so I feel like I've worked and touched a lot of different industries in my time. And I feel like I, I will say it in God's economy, nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. And even though there are challenges and, you know, hills and valleys and, you know, different kind of paths, twists and turns in there, um, you're learning at every juncture. You're learning at every juncture, and I, I choose, I choose to store those experiences away and learn from them. Not only learn from them, but how can I help somebody else, you know, in their journey and their professional uh, development? And so, while at PG&E, I've had the uh, benefit of taking full advantage of their employee <laughs> resources, not only ERGs, but tuition refund program. I have um, gone back to school in there and received certifications and leadership and employee development. And so it's interesting because when you're working, you don't always know where you're going to end up. And um, when I think about where I am now and looking back, it's like, there's something embedded in each and every one of us. And we know it from childhood. We really do. And um, sometimes, sometimes parents, you know, uh, or other um, uh, well-meaning adults, you know, redirect us. You know, you need to be a doctor. No, you need to be this or that, right? And take people off the path. But I feel like I've always been a coach, <laughs> you know, in, in, my, in my life. And, and I think that my earliest experiences bear that out. However, 
you know, being a quote unquote life coach or executive coach was, there's no verbiage for that back then, or as I was shaping my career. So you have to go through experiences and grow through experiences to find your way. But it was in leadership that I discovered that my superpower was coaching, mentoring, developing people. Now, I didn't have like a well thought out framework around that, but I knew that that was the best part of my job that Mm -hmm. I lit up and I was able to really help other people. Now, all that other stuff that comes with being a leader is part of the package. (laughs) You got to do it all. You got to do it all well, you know, but that was the, that was the secret sauce for me. And so then I was on this quest to try to figure out, you know, how do I get more of just this stuff right here? And my um, former um, leader that I work for uh, had come through my job site at, at one point because, you know, I was in San Francisco and I was in San Ramon. And I said, I really like doing these three things. He says, oh, that's you all day. <laughs> that's you all day. I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to figure out how to get myself more, you know, more of this. He says, yeah, you'll figure it out. And so, um, so that's kind of the origin story of, you know, myself and my path. And I, you know, I couldn't, you know, say that I could be here without the support of my family and my parents in particular and the work ethic and, and all of that uh, spiritual undergirding that I have in order to really feel like, oh, I'm walking in my purpose and my passion. So that's where I am now. Yeah. So, so how did you, cause I, you know, I have known you for so many years and I know all of the work that you do in the community in mentoring and, you know, really kind of giving people, I mean, you've always been so candid, um, to, in, but, but in a, such a loving way, um, you know, to help people understand, you know, where they are. So how, how did you come to realize you talked a little bit about the person interacting with you. How did you come to realize like, you know what, I'm going to do this coaching thing. Again, I, I feel as though I was called to it. I, I had a mentor at work. We were talking, you know, and during one of our quarterly meetups and I was, you know, working through <laughs> what I want to do next, basically you know, she asked me the question, like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I was stumped. I was like, I don't, I don't, I didn't have like it specifically defined. Right. I was like, oh girl, you need to, you need to go back and think about this answer and think, put some thought into this before you come back to the table and ask for any more of her time. You know, when you're asking for senior leaders time now, right. You need to, you know, you need to, you know, do your part as a mentee and prepare and come prepared. And so I was like, when she asked me that question, I was like, oh, I don't have this figured out. Um, let me go back to the, the she shit. <laughs> let me go back to the she shit and try to tinker this thing and figure this thing out and start asking some questions. And so I had applied for a role that I thought was a level up position. The title sounded sexy. I was like, that's it. That's me. That's what I'm going to do. I applied for it and they wrote me back with a um, thank you for thank you for your application, but you don't meet the minimal qualifications. I was like, excuse me, I have the minimum qualifications. And so I reached back out to my mentor because it it sat in her organization. And I said, hey, I, I was like, listen, 
I got this recruiting thing saying that I don't meet the minimum qualifications. And so she says, well, let me do this. Let me introduce you to the hiring manager. Let's let you have a conversation with her. Let's talk about it. And then also talk to her about her career journey. Talk to her about her career journey. And um, let's take it from there. And so I, I met with the hiring manager and she was very gracious in her conversation. And you know, I prayed before I went into conversation. I'm like, Lord, let me understand what this is and make it very clear. Okay. Make it very clear. And I'm telling you in the first five minutes when she said the job title does not belie basically, you know, the responsibility you're overqualified for this position and you're making more money than we're, you know, <laughs> in this role. I was like, all right, Lord, you didn't answer the question right there in the first minutes. I was like, okay, let me just hush up and let her tell me the rest of what she needs to tell me. <laughs> so I was like, we put that to bed. I'm like, okay, so let's just listen. Note to everybody, the job titles don't always equate to, you know, the money that you want and also the, the amount of responsibility. So, you know, um, don't take it personal, right? That, you yes. know, you get these kind of responses from recruiting. And per personally, my feedback was, Recruiting needs a different template that addresses these kinds of cases because it had me thinking that there was something else going on as to why I was not being able to move forward in um, the process. They yes. used a can template that was not fitting for my situation. And so that was a note and piece of feedback that I wanted recruiting to understand. So this, this individual, this leader went on to tell me about her pivot, her education and her career experience was as an accounting controller. She worked in accounting. Okay. Mm -hmm. However, she's now working in leadership and employee development. And I'm like, how do you get from accounting to leadership and employee development? Right. Because that kind of lends itself to more of an HR kind of, you know, um, space. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I'm listening very closely because, you know, what I was doing at the time, you know, and my, and my education is not in HR. Okay. So this was a really um, key person for me to receive this career pivot information from because it helped me in my pivot. And so she was saying to me that, you know, uh, getting a certification. Well, I told her off the bat, I wanted to be a coach. I, I had figured it out at that point after talking to my mentor before I talked to her that, oh, coach, I want to be a coach. Now I hadn't defined what kind of coach it was, but coach, right? And so I said, I want to be a coach. And so she said, you know what? We, you know, years ago, this is somebody who's been with a company like 25 years at that time. You know, at the time, you're earlier in, you know, years ago, we had executive coaches on staff, you know, but we've, you know, pivoted from that. And now, you know, if we need one, we just contract for one, um, you know, and, you know, your background isn't in HR. However, if you get a certification or go back and get some education in O&D, organization and development, or in LD, leadership development, that will, you know, kind of, um, you know, set you up in a good place for understanding the landscape. And so, here I go, you know, um, looking at universities like, um, you know, NYC, um, um, just Georgetown, just different 
universities trying to figure out how do I go about getting this certification or getting, you know, this education that I need in order to make this pivot. And um, a lot of those programs have more of an HR track and it's maybe a component or some classes embedded in it. But I'm like, I already have a master's. I don't want to go back and get another master's. I just want to focus on this one thing. And so um, I did find a program where I can just get the um, leadership development certification. And that was my first foray into making, moving into my pivot. And, um, and it was more of an order of operation because, you know, for her, she was thinking, get this first. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna get this first. And I am still going to get this coaching. Okay. (laughs) I'm still going to get this because that's really what I want. But I know that sometimes you have to take a path and a road, um, you know, prerequisites, if you will, right. To get this before you can get that. And so that, that's what I did. And so in 2015, I did that. And then a blessing came my way as I was waiting um, I met someone else along the way and um, heard about um, the Hudson Institute of Coaching in Santa Barbara. And so um, I looked at other programs for coaching, but I just kept coming back to this one. The methodology and the approach was something that was very intriguing to me. And that is where I completed my coaching certification. So yeah, so it's kind of a, it's like a, again, twist and turns to, to find your way. But in, in the meantime, I'm still working. I'm still working my, my day job. I'm still honing my craft. I'm still learning through the process. I'm still developing as a leader. I'm still um, seeking opportunities to um, equip myself so that I can be positioned to help someone else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know what's interesting to me about your career is, um, and I talked to some people about this, where you know when you think about where you want to go, a lot of times you think about the vertical acceleration, but you don't really think about the influence that you create across the organization horizontally. Um, And I know you talk about that a lot in your own career in terms of, you know, kind of identifying what you want to do, but also really being able to make the impact because of the influence that you have. Yeah, that's a key point. And um, I'm not sure what year it was, but Deloitte coined the phrase of the um, the career lattice. And I, I nickname it the rock wall because people who have done rock climbing, uh, you know, maybe at the gym, a rock wall at the, you know, uh, fun place or whatever, or actually gone out to the wilderness and climbed a mountain, climbed a rock, right? right. There's no, there's no straight line about it. You've got to mm-hmm. feel your way you feel your way in the pockets with your hands and your feet and your body and you're, you're moving side to side, up, down, back, you know, you're, you're moving in a lot of directions, but the ultimate destination is up, Mm -hmm. but it's not straight up. Right. And so we like to call it a career journey because, you know, if you've ever, you know, um, had a vehicle where you driving along a mountainous road and you're, going around these twists and turns and blind corners and you're, you know, you're going, you don't always know what's around the bend, but isn't it glorious though, when you come around one of those bends and then you see the expanse of the trees and in all of this below you and how glorious the sky looks. It's like, wow, how did I get here? Well, there was a lot going on, you know, uh, nail biting, uh, (laughs) cliffhangers, 
hanging off with one hand, uh, <laughs> trying to hold on and, you know, uh, the kiss and cut, kiss and cry room and, and all this stuff to get to where you're trying to go. And, yeah. you know, and people say, you know, even with celebrities, they say, oh, this person's overnight success. That's not true. You're just seeing me at the moment where I've now hit the apex of all of what I've been doing to prepare to get here. But listen, it's been a whole lot of stuff, a whole lot of stuff and a whole lot of people in and out of your life um, to get you where, where you are. Well, and so you talk, um, I know in your bio, you talk about the platinum staircase and, you know, uh, but I think a lot of times you can't even, you, you often have challenges specifically, and I'll say specifically with people of color when, when they're trying to ascend that platinum staircase um, and whether it's, you know, confidence or connection, how are you, um, you know, what, what kind of advice would you give to folks who are, you know, trying to really take control of their career um, because I think there aren't, there aren't necessarily coaches that companies pay for as much. Um, they are for senior executives, but a lot of times we have to invest in ourselves. So, so how should somebody start? I think that's an excellent question. And I appreciate you asking that question. Um, I've been a uh, diversity and inclusion leader in my company for many years now. And, um, you know, the plight of women professional women in general is just different. Yeah. And then you layer on an ethnic layer to it. Mm-hmm. There, there are other things, but, um, but, you know, as I work with, you know, professional women, there are themes that just run across the gamut. Um, now where to start is, is really, I really feel taking ownership of your own career. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now we, we just cannot, um, leave it to other people to give us more of what we want. Let's pause for a moment. We'll be right back. Until a person expresses that they really want to be a leader, everybody around you is comfortable with you doing what you're doing. Right. right? Now, the minute you say, hello, I want to be a leader. Oh, you want to be a leader? Ding, 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 ding. It's like all of a sudden, it's like the doors start to open and the sky is open. Like, welcome, welcome. Oh, she wants to be a leader. Let's bring her in. Let's bring her in. Let, let's put her on the. Let's put her on the docket. Let's start giving her experiences until you open your mouth and express that. You know, your leader is content with you doing your the job that you you have before you. They're not really thinking about your, your path forward. Now I will just say there are some amazing leaders who are very people centric. And when they have their one-on-ones with you, they will ask you questions to try to pull out of you. What do you want to do next? What are you thinking? What's on the horizon for you? What's in your development plan? But there are a lot of leaders that don't even, do you have a development plan? They don't ever ask for it. Now that starts with me. I need to have a development plan. I need to have some sort of path. Now, I don't personally subscribe to having a five-year plan or whatever, because I like to leave room for opportunities that that may arise. And you can't always 
script that in. Right. Okay. You can't always script it in. And even in my own case, you know, working with the mentor, um, several mentors, I got an introduction from another colleague to someone. She says, you've got to, you've got to meet him. You've got to meet him. He's, he's great. And I think, you know, he's going to be able to help you. And we talked about, you know, career direction and that sort of thing. And I have a story to tell, but I'm going to try to answer your question on this point here first before we get there. But, but it does start with me. I, I mean, I have to express to my leader what my desires are. Now, I may not know how to get there, but that's where my navigator comes in because my navigator can now look across the, the work that's coming, emergent work, um, maybe some cross-functional things that are coming up with other teams that they can get you plugged into, that they can start working on your development. And if the leader is really savvy, if they're really like plugged in, they'd be really keen to start giving you feedback that's going to help shape you um, becoming more of that leader that you uh, need to present yourself to be, to be positioned and ready for the opportunity when it comes up. Yeah, definitely. So, so do you want to tell your story? I will tell my story. Because <laughs> the stories are let me, what let me, make the whole thing. Let me tell you my story here. Come on. So I, I, I you know, um, working for my company, um, there was an opportunity years ago. And uh, when I was hired into this leadership role, my leader hired me to be her successor. It was not a secret. She had a T minus five or whatever in her mind about retirement, hired me to be her successor. She told me that not only did she tell me that she told everyone else in the organization, like, you know, this, she's going to be my successor. So coming in as a supervisor, she was looking for me to, to grow and to step into her role as a manager when she decided to retire. And so she said, give me a three-year commitment. I'm like, okay, she's going to take you about three years to really, you know, get your, you know, sea legs and all that. I'm like, sure, sure. Now, three years in, I'm like, mm. all right. Now, love the group, love the people, love my team. But as far as what I wanted to do in that three years is where I discovered where my, where my passion was and where my superpower was. And I was coaching, mentoring, developing. And so in that three years, I'm, I'm trying to figure out hmm, how do I get mm-hmm. more of this? Okay. Not so much ascending into her role because her role is more of the same. Okay. Not more of what, you know, and that's where the quest came in, in the middle of me doing my day-to-day delivery and um, having these other experiences and getting these other types of, well, the leadership and deployed development certification happened in that time. The funny thing is before I could pivot out, she announced her retirement and posted her job. And I was not, I was not applying for the job. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello, everybody. And right. She was not applying for the job. And um, we had, a, we had a, you know, a conversation right in the time that the job was live. And, and she says, um, well, I noticed that you haven't applied for the, you know, for the job. And I'm like, that's true. That's true. Um, I'm thinking about it. And, um, but I wasn't telling her that I was thinking about a pivot though. I wasn't telling her about that, you know? And so she says, you know, I understand. I completely understand that you may feel um, overwhelmed or um, like this is a lot or um, you're not ready. You know, I totally get it. You know, we all have those feelings. 
And I was in my mind going, well, those are not the feelings I have. <laughs> not the feelings I have. And, um, but I'm not ready to tell her, right. I'm not ready to tell right. her about what I'm, when I'm cooking up. Right. So I was talking to a friend, I had lunch with a friend and he was saying, uh, I was telling her what she said. He said, Oh, uh, you better let her know that you're not taking that job because you're afraid you need to let her know that, you know, you've got something else in mind. And so, you know, lesson learned in that moment was take control of your own communications. Yes. You, you need to control your own narrative here because she's going to go back and tell all these other people that you are afraid and you don't want, you know, you're not ready and all this stuff. And that was not the case. I didn't want it because I had something else in mind. And so um, I had to have a quote, crucial conversation. You guys all know the book, Crucial Conversations. I had to go back and have a crucial conversation with my leader to share with her that I'm thinking about something else. And now she's worked with me these past three and a half years, four years or whatever this is. And so she knows me. She knows my style. She knows how I move, how I operate as a leader. Um, I knew going into this conversation that I had to be very delicate about how I approached it because this person poured into me for three and a half some odd years expecting me to succeed her. And now I'm about to tell her that I don't want to move in that direction and respectfully decline uh, to move forward. And so um, we have the conversation. Um, I walked through it delicately. We had mutual respect for each other. And I was able to uh, compassionately and with empathy and with all professionalism express to her that thank you for everything that you've done to prepare me for this opportunity. But I have something else in mind for myself. Mm -hmm. And she says, well, she had to take a moment to <laughs> receive that first part of it. Oh, oh, you're not going to no, move forward. No. And why? What is it? What, what are you thinking? I'm like, I want to move in this direction of, you know, leadership, employee development, ultimately coaching. And um, that is where my passion and my purpose resides. And um, to her credit, she says, how can I help you? Nice. And I said, well, I'm still figuring it out, but right now I'm applying for tuition reimbursement and I don't think they're going to approve it because it doesn't really fit the criteria. So I might need to phone a friend. I might have to ask you to <laughs> help me with a, a, what do you call it? Um, take the next step to um, rebut it or, you know, uh, ask right. for some Create sort of an exception, know, or... an exception to it. Right. Yeah. And so I said to her that, but what I'm going to do immediately is I'm going to go talk to the director, her boss, and I'm going to let him know what my decision is because it needs to come from me. Now she's about to retire. She didn't announce retirement now. Right. I'm still going to be here working in his organization. Okay. And everybody's thinking I'm applying for this job. I'm going to take this job. And that namely him too. I need to tell him that I'm not going to step up into that or apply for it. And so I had the conversation with him too. And um, it was a, it was a very interesting conversation because, you know, he's a no nonsense kind of person. And so, you know, I'm like, you know, um, Steve, I'm not going to um, respectfully apply for this position. And he's like, well, why not? And I'm like, well, I'm going to go back to school, Steve. I want to get the certification. He says, well, why can't you do both? I'm like, oh no, 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 no. I said, because 
if I take this job and go to school and then I'll have to uh, hire somebody to replace me, <laughs> that that's a lot. That's a lot, you know? So yeah, I yeah. respectfully want to retain and, and maintain where I am, go back to school. And I would love to help support you in finding the successor for, you know, my, my, uh, my manager. And uh, would you allow me to work on, you know, the lead, you know, the interview panel for that? And he says, oh, absolutely. And he also said, how can I help you? And so, um, so my thing is that when you're a performer and you're getting it done and people see your walk and you're leading by example, and you're a role model in your, your role and you strive to be not perfect, but you're doing the best that you can. You learn, learn as you go and you improve leaders around you will support you. They will support you. Now, I don't think that that is necessarily um, has to do with my ethnicity. I'm an African-American woman, you know, but I've been blessed, right? And to be in positions where I have um, walked the path. um, And let me tell you, I was like one was I I think the only African-American person in the department. Okay, so um, and I had challenges with other leaders in that department, but we handled it with grace. And with professionalism. And, you know, I don't think that goes unnoticed. Right. So um, but when your leader says, how can I help you? That's your opportunity to express. This is what my needs are. This is where I'm trying to go. And he made inroads for me to get exposure to his boss. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And because he knew that his boss had some things that he wanted to do and, and move the organization in direction. And he put me on, he put me on stage with his boss. And so that means if somebody's going to give you an opportunity and put you on stage, when your boss is going to put you on, you got to show up because you're not only representing yourself, you represent your, your leader too. And, you know, there's, there's, there's high stakes involved, but it's all, it's all good. If you are doing your part to be, your leadership has confidence in you. It gives you um, a different level of, um, empowerment. Yes. Like I can really do this. I can really do yes. this. Oh gosh. I mean, and so much in what you just said, I mean, from gratitude to, you know, combining your passion and purpose, um, you know, being able to speak up, I could go on and on. So there was a lot of, of nuggets in there for folks that are navigating their careers. So if we pivot a little bit, to really talk about senior leaders as mentors and sponsors. Um, Cause I think in some cases, you know, you find yourself, you navigate your career and then you find yourself in this leadership role. And all of a sudden, you know, you have to mentor other people and, you know, I'll just say it nicely. Some people don't really know how to do that. Even as a senior leader. <laughs> All right now. All right. No, we're gonna we're gonna um bless their hearts. <laughs> I'm trying to be you nice. Let me just say, let me just say, um leaders find their way into these seats in, in different kinds of ways. Sometimes um individuals or professionals are told that in order to grow, you've got to be a leader. Okay, in order to really have career success, you have to be a leader. And so people embrace that 
and they apply for these jobs and then they get into these roles, but not everybody's gifted in people leadership. Okay. You can have technical experts who they're very, very uh, talented with technical things. And, um, but people leadership is not their gift. And, you know, I work with emerging, you know, uh, talent, I have responsibility for talent pipeline in my organization. And so what I tell brand new, right out of college, fresh people is, you know, find your way. And if you know that people is not your gig, then don't be a people leader. That's fine. There's, there's other ways of growing your career besides being a people leader. So having said that, to your point, there are people that are sitting in seats that people leadership is not their acumen. That's not their strength. And, you know, it's, it is a muscle that can be developed and they can grow on if they choose to. But you said sometimes these people are not effective as mentors. Now, here, here, here is my, my position on mentorship. I believe in organic mentoring. Okay. And what I mean by that is, you know, at my company and a lot of corporate um, types of companies, they typically have a formal mentoring process. And I liken it to, you know, if you've ever been in college and you've gone to drop in counseling, <laughs> you know, or, or listen, if you've been uh, on Match.com, if you've ever done online dating, um, <laughs> you know, you fill out a profile, they fill out a profile, right? And then, you know, you try to get in a conversation with an individual and you don't always have chemistry fit. And what happens is um, in the formal program, you know, you don't always get what you want to get out of it as a mentee because, you know, this person's found themselves ghosting you. (laughs) (laughs) They're not available. You know, you're trying to schedule, get on the calendar and they're nowhere to be found. And, uh, you know, they're so busy. But why did you sign up to be a mentor then if you're not going to be available? I don't know. But anyway, um, so so I believe in organic mentoring. And that to me means you look across the organization, you know, you see leaders doing their thing, right? They're they're leading different kind of meetings or you've come across their path in some form or fashion. They don't have to be in your immediate organization, but someone that you admire, someone you feel like affinity to. That you may, and this is pre-COVID, of course, because I'm sure we'd have to, you know, uh, what does this look like in a COVID world now? That's a whole nother conversation. But pre-COVID, when everybody was in the office and you're mingling and you're in the break room or, you know, you're passing in the hallway and you're having this kind of uh, informal chemistry connection with them, I feel like you can ask said person, hey, I really admire you. Would you mind being my mentor? And uh, I feel like most people are very flattered by that. And um, if they're feeling you and they've got capacity like that, I believe they say yes. And that's how I found my mentors in the organization um, over the years. And you don't need to have just one. You have you can have multiple, you know, but make sure that you have something in mind that you want to work on with this individual because it is the mentee's responsibility to what is my agenda? What is it that I feel like this person can help me with? Get on and get off with that, with that person. And it is for a, a limited period of time. It's not a, you know, indefinite kind of thing. It needs to be able to be valuable for uh, an extended period of time. And 
make sure you deliver on everything that they give you to do, or they've asked you to do, or they advised you to do, you know, there's nothing worse than giving someone advice and then they don't take it. Now you're wasting my time. You know, you're wasting my time. So it's like, okay, um, now I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be as liberal or generous with my, my giving. If I know that you're not going to um, take advantage of what I'm offering you. So uh, that's, that's my approach. Okay. I feel like that's most successful because you and this person have a chemistry check already. We've already have that and we can, we can build on that relationship if you will, and, and get some value out of that and you get what you want to get um, as far as growing your career. Yeah, that's awesome. So then um, just to, to highlight, um, because I think uh, one of the things that you didn't hear, we didn't hear in your bio is that you uh, were awarded the President's Diversity and Inclusion Champion Award. Uh, just before, I think it was just before COVID, if I remember correctly. That's correct. Yeah. Um, so maybe you can give us some nuggets on, you know, what things worked well when, you know, I mean, obviously you were doing lots of things related to diversity and inclusion. Um, what are some things that work well? What are some things that do not work well? I know pe- some people have worked at companies who are focused on providing resources. Um, And now it seems post George Floyd, Mm -hmm. you know, post Buffalo post, you know, all of these things are still happening in the community um, and in different states related to shootings and, you know, the just trauma. Um, I think there have been a lot of companies that are also, you know, they have good intentions, but they are maybe growing impatient with, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a marathon, right? Not a sprint when you're talking about diversity and inclusion. Um, so just wondering if you can offer any um, thoughts uh, about things that tended to work well um, within the organizations you were working with and um, you know, some success stories, maybe. Mm. There's a lot in that, Melissa. Um, you know, there was no silver bullet or magic wand post George Floyd for this in the middle of a pandemic or, I mean, we're still navigating that space and it's taken, I don't know how many years of corporate life to get to where we are now. We, we should not expect, we should not expect that we're going to have this solved in a year or two. This is ongoing. And I feel like um, companies have to be patient with their you know, trajectory and growth on this, but intentionality has to be a part of it. And so as they craft or create their DNI uh, processes and, or strategies, initiatives year over year to continue to move the needle forward, they have to be intentional about where they are trying to go with that. And listen, if you don't have the expertise, find it, bring it in. Um, our company did that. Uh, our company hired um, another company to come in and train our leadership. First of all, we looked for leaders who wanted to be in on this type of change. Okay. Mm-hmm. Work with the willing, right? Those who really feel moved in that direction to try to lead this type of change. And um, 
work with them to train the trainer, if you will, to give them talking points, to give them context, to give them things that they can be asking of their immediate organizations um, to have these difficult conversations and to support their employee base when, you know, we have these kinds of things that impact, you know, impact segments of your employee populations. And so whenever there are incidents like George Floyd, George Floyd or recently with the shooting that has occurred, um, that there's a recognition that this impacts those uh, groups of affinity when these kinds of things happen and not to be insensitive about it, there's an opportunity for a conversation or opportunity to reach out to your employees who may fit that demographic and check in on them. You know, um, we, we all need to know that someone cares and we spend more time at work than we do with our families at home. So work is family. It's a work family. And we and should now care. It's both. And, and, you know, and we <laughs> should care about each other like a like a family. Um, listen, whether you want to admit it or not, if something happens to your your team member, it happens to you. I had, you know, direct reports who lost, you know, family members. One lost her mother first and then lost her, her father. And you know, when 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 death happens or cancer diagnosis happens in your group. Everybody feels that, you know, now with COVID, listen, somebody gets COVID, we're, we're all concerned, like, oh, okay, now we, you know, we have vaccines and things now, but initially we did not. And so that was serious. Yeah. It's life or death. And so when we have incidents that happen in our world that um, touch on the lives of our team members, we need to show that we care. Now, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have all the answers. But can you show us some humanity? Just be humanity is all that's required. Empathy, compassion, and humanity and listening. That's it. So it's, it's just a walk that needs to continue. And as long as we understand that there's no one and done with here, and we're not expecting perfection, we just expect you to see us. You see me? Do I look like I need support and help? That goes a long way with people, whether it's, something that happens um, in a community of color, whether it happens with me having cancer, whether it happens where I've lost someone in my family, show up like you care. That's it. Yeah. Well, and if we could all start with everyone showing up like they care, then maybe people would feel like they belong and Mm -hmm. are included, right? That's right. Um, So that empathy is so understated. So then what, um, you know, this has been such a wonderful conversation. Um, it's hard to believe that we, it's, you know, and the hour flew by. by. (laughs) So, um, I just want to thank you for joining me. Um, if you wouldn't mind letting people know how they can get a hold of you or, you know, how they can, uh, tap into you as a coach, um, Please let people know how to reach you. Listen, it's my privilege to 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 follow up with anyone who's interested and that believe that I can be of service because that's the first thing. And um, you can reach me at uh, itmcoachingnextlevel.com and I'm happy to start a conversation with you to see how we can support you. And um, I'm on LinkedIn. So 
heck, you can <laughs> invite me to, to, uh, to, to connect with you and start a conversation that way. So we make it very easy, make it very easy for you to connect with us. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Cheryl, for being here. You have a wealth of information and it's always such a pleasure to talk to people that are making a difference, not only in their, in their profession, but in the world we live in. Um, so when, when you're talking about your passion and profession really colliding, um, Cheryl does that in every way, in everyone she touches, um, so I just appreciate you and I'm so grateful that you have come on to share your story and your life. And we just wish you the best as you continue, uh, in your own career life. Thank you, Melissa. And thanks for this wonderful opportunity. And I'm happy to come back and join you again, another opportunity as well. All right. I might take you up on that. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much for being here. My pleasure. Thanks for joining me on the Jolly Podcast. Please subscribe so you won't miss an episode. See you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.